subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for conversations with veterinarians, oncologists, rehab therapists, and other experts discussing amputation for dogs and cats. Find more info, helpful care tips, and a free gift at tripods.com slash radio. Thank you for tuning in to Tripod Talk Radio, where we're spreading the word that it's better to hop on three legs than limp on four. Hosted by Jim and Renee and Wyatt Ray of the Tripod Blogs community at Tripods.com, Jerry's Place for canine amputees and their people. Hello, and thank you for listening. This is Tripod Talk Radio, and today is Sunday, March 15th, 2015. We'll be talking about mast cell cancer, tumors, and treatment options today, and we are honored to have an expert in the field with us to answer questions. Dr. Ann Hohenhaus is a board-certified veterinary oncologist, heading up the Jacqueline Transfusion Medicine Service at the Animal Medical Center in New York City. Join us now in the live Tripods chat with your questions at tripods.com slash chat. And join me in welcoming Dr. Hohenhaus to the show. Thank you for joining us, Doctor. It's so nice to be here. Hi, Dr. Hohenhaus. This is Renee. Thanks for being here again. We really appreciate it. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here and to talk about a disease that can be very confusing. So I hope we can dispel some myths today. I would love to because it is one of the diseases that uh, many of our members deal with. And, you know, it's, it seems very mysterious. And a lot of times it seems like you're playing whack-a-mole with this disease. I mean, it just keeps coming up over and over again for some people. And so I'm hoping that um, you can um, start by uh, explaining the basics to us. Um, what is the difference between a mast cell and a mast cell tumor? Can you Can you tell us? So a mast cell is the, in the normal person or dog, the mast cell is um, an allergy cell, and it releases histamine when you're allergic to something. And so when you take an antihistamine, you're trying to combat the effects of the mast cell, which is to make your eyes runny and your nose runny and everything itchy about you. So a tumor, any tumor, is cells gone rogue that are no longer behaving the way that they're supposed to, and they form um, a lump of mast cells in this case, although a a kidney tumor would form a a lump of kidney cells on on a kidney. Um, Mast cells are common in the skin because that's often where allergies are manifest because the mast cell is trying to protect you against things out there from coming in. And so the mast cell tumor then is just an aggregate of mast cells that are not behaving like they're supposed to. They've they've formed together to form a lump usually on the skin of dogs, although occasionally we see internal mast cell tumors in dogs and, and a little bit more often in, in cats um, that we'll see internal mast cell tumors. Okay. And so how how is it different? Speaking of cats, how is it different um, between dogs and cats when it presents itself? So nearly all dogs with mass tumors have a skin mass as their 
initial site of the mast cell tumor. And then occasionally they get they spread widely throughout the body and affect other organs. In the cat, we will often see mast cells of the intestine, the spleen, the spleen is a big one, and less commonly mast cells of the skin. And in the cat, most skin mast cells are benign, where in dogs, we see a greater proportion of skin mast cells that are malignant. So they vary according to organ that is affected and where the bad mast cell tumors are. Bad in cat is um, internal organs. Bad in dog can be some of the skin ones. Okay. And so when it appears on the skin in a dog, for example, on a dog's leg, how does that lead to amputation? Does the, the cell just kind of take over the entire leg, or what happens in that case? Well, I'm going to take a step back and say that the sure. most important treatment we have for mast cell tumors in dogs is to surgically remove the tumor. That's the number one best treatment that we have. Now, if if the mast cell tumor is widely spread, then sometimes surgery is not possible. In in a leg, sometimes the mast cell tumor creeps up the leg, um, and there's not a lot of skin on the leg where the skin can be removed with the mast cell tumor and still have pieces of skin to put the dog back together after surgery. So there are some times when amputation of the leg is the best option to get rid of the tumor via surgery. Um, and so that's that would be the situation where um, a mast cell tumor might lead to amputation. Okay, thank you for clearing that up. I, I often wondered because I know that, you know, like you said, mast cells can appear just about anywhere on the skin, um, but we have so many members who lost a leg to it, so, so thank you for clarifying that. And it's, you know, the treatment of mast cells is, is like real estate. It's all about location. So what you always hope for is a nice golden retriever that has really baggy skin that you can get wide borders around the tumor. The current recommendation is three centimeters on all sides of the tumor and one tissue plane deep. You can't really go three centimeters deep because that would create quite a crater. But you go, mm -hmm. you know, if it's in the skin, then you go below into the tissues underneath that to make your, your you can imagine that on a dog with a small leg, three centimeters of skin around a mast cell tumor, somewhere below the knee may not be achievable without an amputation. Okay, okay, and that's the, when you say the three centimeters around, that's what oncologists refer to as getting clean margins, is that correct? No, three centimeters is our current best recommendation that has a high likelihood of achieving clean margins, but clean okay. margins is something that the pathologist tells to us, so Oh. Already we've we've got three specialists involved in the management uh -huh. of this case. First, we've got the oncologist who says this is a mast cell tumor and it needs to be surgically removed. Then we've got the surgeon who says mast cell tumors need three centimeter margins and a tissue plane deep. And then the pathologist gets that tumor with its accompanying skin around it, and they make special slices around the edges that the surgeon cut and those edges are looked at under the microscope uh, to say that they're 
is normal tissue between the mast cell tumor and the cut border of what was surgically removed. If the cut border on all four sides and on the bottom of the resected tissue is not got mast cell tumor mast cells in it, then the pathologist mm-hmm. says the margins are clean. Okay, thank you. Gosh, I'm learning so much, and we've only been doing this eight minutes. Oh, my gosh. This is fascinating. Um, tell me now, what does a, a mast cell look like? Because uh, A tumor, sorry. Because um, I we suspected one was on our dog, Wyatt, and it was a very small, dark lump, um, like a pencil eraser. And for a, a minute there, you know, we thought it could be mast cell, and thankfully it wasn't. But do they, what do they look like, and do they appear in clusters or just, um, all alone by themselves. How do they look? So the typical mast cell tumor is hairless. Uh, it might be pinkish. Uh, sometimes it bleeds if it, if you bump it. It uh, sometimes is itchy, so the dog will scratch at it. And because mm-hmm. it contains histamine, which one of the properties of histamine is it causes swelling, and you know that because when you're having an allergic reaction, your eyes get swollen. That's because of the histamine release. So sometimes mast cell tumors will blow up, and then people will be all happy because the tumor shrinks down and they think it can't possibly be anything bad. And the answer is that if you have a mass that's on your dog and it gets bigger and then smaller and bigger and smaller, I would put a lot of money on a mast cell tumor as that diagnosis. Uh, sometimes, so pink, bleeding, itching, Swelling that seems to resolve but never completely goes away. Those are and hairless. Those would all be the typical mast cell tumor. Now, every now and then, one of these mast cell tumors just fakes you out. Something terrible because it occurs under the skin, not in the skin. So it's called a subcutaneous mast cell tumor. And those babies look exactly like a lipoma, which is a fatty, benign tumor that some dogs just are very predisposed to having. So if you have a dog that has a subcutaneous mass, it still could be a mast cell tumor, even though it will feel to your veterinarian's fingers just like it's a fatty tumor. And that's why lumps really need to be aspirated and proven to be fat or not before we decide to ignore them. Mm-hmm. I, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, we've come a long way from the general philosophy where a vet would tell you just wait and see uh, to, hey, let's stick a needle in there and biopsy it really quick so we can find out what's going on. Um, and I was going to ask you, you know, are there things that we can do to um, catch these tumors before they they spread or get any worse? Um, what can we do to, to stop it or is there can even prevent it from happening in the first place? So preventative mass, prevention of mast cell tumors is, I don't know, nobody knows that mast cell tumors, what, what we can do to prevent them. So unfortunately, although I wish there was something so that I would never have to see one again, I don't have it right now. To diagnose mast cell tumors quickly, um, you can do a needle aspirate take some cells out of the tumor. So you would do that with a syringe and needle, and instead of giving an injection, you would suck back with the needle inside the tumor. And then the veterinarian squirts that few drops of cells onto a microscope. Mast cells are usually very easy to recognize because they're 
big round cells, and they've got purple little granules in them uh, all over the place. So they're quite characteristic under the microscope, and many veterinarians are comfortable deciding it's a mast cell tumor uh, on their own without a pathologist input. So that cytology is critical because, remember I said that when the surgeon goes to work on a mast cell tumor, they want three-centimeter margins. Well, if you think you have a lipoma, the margins aren't important. So if you haven't done your aspirate and you just say, oh, I'm going to take off a lipoma, and then you don't take very big borders around the mass, and then, whoops, it's a mast cell tumor, that dog is going to have to have another surgery, I'd be willing to bet, to get it to get clean margins. So that's why it's always important to know what you're dealing with before you make that first surgical incision because you can do such a much better job if you know up front that it's a mast cell. You know, uh, I have a question for you uh, about when this situation happened to our dog when we suspected we had some kind of tumor. Um, the veterinarian told us that the tumor was too small to biopsy. Um, it was very small. It was it was smaller than a pencil eraser. But um, at what point are, are they too small, and at what point do you just have to go in there and, and take it out right away to see what it is? Um, so keep in mind that the terminology is really complicated. So what I just mm-hmm. described where you take a needle and put into the tumor and suck some cells out is actually a cytology. A biopsy, what you do on a piece of tissue that goes to a special laboratory and is processed a special way to look at under the microscope. So there's there's probably nothing that's too small to biopsy because even if you have a really tiny little skin mass, you can just incise around it. It's a definitely a challenge to do a, a cytology on some of these little ones because you can't hold the dog still enough and you can't get the needle just barely into it to get some mm, cells out okay. of it. And that's why little ones are a bit of a challenge. Um, okay. You can always try, but you may not get anything back simply because it's just technically very difficult to do if you have a mass that's less than you can probably do five millimeters. I don't know. I'd say one or two millimeters would be hard. Five is definitely doable. Mm-hmm. And I, five, I, I understand that now. And five millimeters and, is about a quarter of an inch. Oh, okay. Okay, so that's, that's a pretty good size. So five um, millimeters is a little smaller than a pencil eraser, I'd say. Mhm, mhm. Yeah, and just to, and so just to put a number uh, on it for our listeners. Right. And and so I was getting my my terms confused. So thank you for for clarifying that. Um so as far as as diagnosis goes, um once you've determined that it it is mast cell, how is it graded and and treated? Um what what are the next steps if your dog does have that? So the cytology tells us that we need to have 3 centimeter margins at surgery, and that's a critical piece for a good surgery to happen. Then whatever is removed surgically gets put in a special preservative solution and gets sent to a laboratory where it's processed. It takes a couple of days to process it, make it into a special microscope slide, stain it, and then have a pathologist look at it under the microscope and determine what it is. And that's why 
the biopsy doesn't come back for a few days or maybe a week because of that whole process. Your veterinarian doesn't do that in their office. that gets sent out. Okay. So when the pathologist looks at it under the microscope, they're going to say that this is a grade 1, a grade 2, or grade 3 mast cell tumor. That's the classic grading system. Grade 1, almost all of those tumors are cured by surgery alone, and the dogs go on to live and be fine. Grade 3 mast cell tumors can be really bad, and they tend to spread everywhere, and they tend to come back after surgery and be very difficult to get clean margins on. Those are ones that the dog probably needs some follow-up chemotherapy. And then grade 2 mast cell tumors are the ones in the middle, and they are much tougher to predict. And sometimes we end up doing a lot of tests on that biopsy to try and give us a better handle on whether or not we think that tumor is likely to come back quickly or spread elsewhere in the body, because then if we think it's going to come back or spread, we may recommend chemo in those patients. Wow. So... So with a, a two and a three, what types of chemo would you recommend? Is it always the same or does it differ? Um, there there are some drugs that are accepted for treatment of mast cell tumors, and there's no one best protocol. So different people have different things that they like to use. Uh, one of the really common protocols it would be to, well, almost all protocols are going to have prednisone in them. Uh, because mm. prednisone is specifically kills mast cells. Then a lot of people will use vinblastine, which is a chemotherapy, a traditional chemotherapy drug. Uh, other proto- people um, are using will use um, a drug called CCNU um, or lomustine is its uh, trade name. And no one has really looked to see if one is better than the other. Um, lomustine sometimes causes really low white blood cell counts and vinblastine a little bit less so. So I kind of like it because the the safety profile is maybe a titch better in vinblastine. But if I use uh-huh. CCNU, I would use prednisone with it as well. Um, then there are these new drugs for the treatment of mast cell disease. We're not Every time there's a new drug, you have to figure out how to incorporate it into your protocol. And these new drugs are targeted therapies which attack a particular genetic mutation that's common in mast cell tumors but not exclusively present in every mast cell tumor. And is that kind of treatment available everywhere or only some vets doing that? No. Well, um, that th- those drugs are available usually can buy them, but because they are um, expensive, most of the time your general vet doesn't have them because stock, they don't see enough mast cell tumors to use up the bottle that they buy. So a lot of times that is something that you go to an oncologist for, even though your veterinarian could buy them th- that medication if they want it. Got it. Okay. So um, we have a, a quick question for you. Um, getting back to the uh, part about grading and, and different grades of mast cell, um, one of your favorite patients, Jill the cat, <laughs> um, Erica Burst, wanted to ask you, why, do, why does mast cell cancer get graded but osteosarcoma does not? 
Um, there are some grading schemes for osteosarcoma. The point of grading tumors is to try and use that grade to predict the behavior of the tumor. So in osteosarcoma, one of the ways that the pathologists have used biopsies to predict behavior is that and this happens has happened in some dog research projects and also in children with osteosarcoma, is they give those kids chemotherapy and then they look to see how much of the tumor is dead on a second biopsy after chemo is given. And the, the more dead tumor, the better that child's prognosis is. And if enough of the tumor doesn't die from the chemotherapy, then they're going to switch protocols and do something different. So not every tumor is graded, um, but the grading is usually developed in response to predicting prognosis. And mast cell is the classic example of grading predicting prognosis because if you remember I said almost all grade ones are cured by surgery alone, twos in the middle, and three are usually carry a very bad prognosis with a high likelihood of recurrence and spread. So mast cell is one of the um, one of the the best grading systems, and that grading system was actually developed here at the Animal Medical Center and was first published in the middle 1980s, so the system has been around wow. for a very long time. Oh, wow, that is really cool. Um, now, now, getting back to the, thank you for answering the question, by the way, um, getting back to the part about uh, treatments and the different drugs being used, um, what are the types of treatments that might have the worst and, or the least side effects. Do some have more than others? Um, is, is there one that that people might want to ask for? Or um, you, the question that you, as a pet owner, want to ask your veterinarian when your pet is diagnosed with a mast cell tumor is how do you typically recommend that this be treated? And then you listen to what your veterinarian says, and then you say, well, are there any alternatives? And then you listen to what they say. And they will say things like, in my hands, this protocol has more toxicity. Uh, in you know, in, in my hands, this is a more expensive treatment. It, this is what happens with this treatment. And so listen to what they say about the different alternative treatment options. For some patients, like, CCNU can be rough on the liver, and then in other dogs it's not. But if you had a dog with a liver problem, I would probably not be recommending CCNU for your dog. Sometimes you give a chemotherapy drug like vemblastine, and the dog doesn't tolerate it. It causes a lot of vomiting in that particular patient. And, and every drug is not predictable in each patient. So if I have a bad effect from a chemo drug, I'm going to say, this is really not going well. Should, do you think we should change to the alternative drug? So never go into treating a pet with cancer with this is how we're going to do it because you always have to look and see what the pet's other problems are. You have to look and see how that pet tolerates the treatment. And if it do tolerates it well, terrific, keep going. If it's not tolerating the treatment, think about what the alternatives are. That is that is really good to know because I think a lot of pet parents when they when they start dealing with this disease, um, they they kind of freeze and and all they see is that well we have to do chemo and there's going to be side effects and it it could be really bad but I mean what you're saying is that we need to be more flexible when we approach it and say well it could go either way so why don't we just be open and see what mm -hmm. happens I mean it's yes. that kind of way it goes okay. 
Okay, great. Uh, it, you know, there seems to be a lot of dogs, and, and I'm, I'm not including cats in this sentence because we just don't see any members with it, but um, it seems like they live with the disease for a long time. And, you know, they might be going back for some antihistamines or a dog might be on Benadryl or, or prednisone for a long time because of it. Um, is this a disease that, that you just manage and live with, or does it ever go away? Uh, certainly if you're a dog with a grade 1 mast cell tumor, then it, surgery is likely to make it go away. If you have a grade 3 mast cell tumor or a mast cell tumor that's spread to a lymph node or somewhere else, then it's much harder to to get that dog off of drugs. Um, it's possible, but it, it's more difficult. Okay. And are there any complementary therapies that can help um, live with those drugs? So, for example, acupuncture or something like that. Do you typically recommend anything like that for your patients with mast cell? Um, so we usually, you know, if we're having side effects from a chemo drug, then we have all kinds of anti-nausea medications and things try and make the pet feel better. And certainly if we're having problems with side effects, another option is to um, decrease the dose uh, to make the pet tolerate the drug better. I have, I've used acupuncture some to think about controlling pain, uh, if if I especially if I have a patient who needs to get prednisone and then has arthritis, and then you'd want to give some non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug for the arthritis, except that those drugs crash into the prednisone and can cause really bad side effects when you give the two together. So I might use acupuncture to help deal with another problem like arthritis, but I don't know that we're quite there yet in knowing that acupuncture is going to help to control things like nausea in um, pets getting chemotherapy. Okay. Okay, good to know. When I think about this disease, we see a lot of different dogs come to us with it. And are there specific breeds and and ages or or dog types that are at risk? Um, Who tends to get this disease? So uh, dogs in the the boxer family, uh, so boxers, um, bulldogs, pugs, are definitely breeds at risk for mast cell disease. Uh, maybe Labradors, the Golden Retrievers as well. I think Vigilas are on that list. So there are certain breeds at risk. The pug particularly, for pug listeners out there, pugs are really prone to developing multiple mast cell tumors over the course of their life. Sometimes they come in and have four or five at one time, and we take them off, and then they come back a year later, and they have four or five more again. So um, they're usually low-grade, and surgery fixes them. And it's not they, – they form multiple tumors that we're not seeing metastatic or spreading lesions of the original tumor. Um, so that's, a, that's kind of a unique pug situation. We but have any dog, mm-hmm. any dog that has had a mast cell tumor is probably a greater risk of getting another mast cell tumor, and so they need to be on bump watch for the rest of their life. And what does that entail? Can you explain that to me? Well, 
if if I have a pet that only has no bumps on it, then it's very easy. I just say, if you get a new one, I need to see it, and we need to test it with a cytology. But sometimes I have dogs that have 10, 12 lipomas on them. It's really hard to tell them from a, a developing mast cell tumor. So we create a drawing, what we call a body map, of all the lumps that the dog has, and we measure them so that we can keep track of where they are in relationship to the other bumps, and then probably three, four times a year, the dog comes in and we go over that chart and we look for any changes in bumps or any new bumps on their skin. And sometimes the owners will have a copy of the chart and come in and they will have penciled in a new bump on their dog. And um, then, then we know exactly where to go to evaluate the new bump. That is a great idea. And that's, that's a, another reason to See your your vet and, and your oncologist if you're already dealing with it to see them regularly to have these these bumps looked at. Um, now, as far as um, any clinical studies um, that are going on with mouse cells, this is a disease that tends to get studied a lot. Are there are there places that are doing trials to help? Um, so there are. There are mass. There are probably multiple trials going on in the United States because mast cell tumors are the most common skin malignant skin tumor of the dog. So it's it's one ripe to be studied. And a good place to go to find out what studies are available would be to go to the Veterinary Cancer Society's website. Um, just Google Veterinary Cancer Society and then click on For Pet Owners, and under there will be a listing of clinical trials going on in the United States for all kinds of cancer. But that that'd be a good place to look to find one on mast cell tumors that might be close to you. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll include that website, Earl, in our uh, our forums post about this show. And, um, Dr. Hoyhouse, I can't thank you enough. You are so helpful, and we really appreciate all of your time today. And we've learned a lot. Thank you. Good. So happy to be here. Yes, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Hollenhaus. Listeners can learn more about your work at amcny.org and find more informative interviews, videos, and podcasts to help keep our three-legged pets happy and comfortable in the blogs and forums at tripods.com. Until next time on Tripod Talk Radio, learn more about canine amputation recovery and find the best gear for three-legged dogs at tripods.com. Subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for more pet amputation tips from experts and claim your free gift just for listeners at downloads.tripods.com slash podcast.